0: Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach dedicated to inspiring women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. In this episode, you and I have the opportunity to ask some rather deep questions, such as why do I do what I do? Why do I live the way I live, work the way I work, even raise my children in a certain way? Well, for me, it's not until I see a different way of living that I become aware of the ways that I have chosen to live my life or even just opted into the cultural norm. When someone else is opting out of what we might consider a cultural norm, it highlights the difference and it causes me and I assume you to ask the question, why am I living the way I live? I'm excited to introduce you to Lori Beth Aldridge, host of the Elevating Motherhood Podcast and founder of a nationwide movement called Yah Ya Mamas. She's a wife and mom who lives in Maui and homeschools their three girls. Now, I first met Lori Beth in the process of pulling together the nine female thought leaders for this free online resource I've been telling you about called Cultivating Peace in Times of Disease. Someone suggested Lori Bat to be included, and I was introduced to her, and I am so glad that I met her. Her life is way different than my own, but I have so much that I can learn from her. Her and her family have opted out of many things that our culture may consider normal, and I think you're going to be very inspired by her fresh perspective. And as I've mentioned, be sure to watch or listen to Cultivating Peace in Times of Disease. Features nine female thought leaders sharing their wisdom in response to the fear and anxiety of the coronavirus. The interviews include Morgan Harper Nichols, Reverend Sarah Heath, Stacey Robbins, Kate Crocco, Bailey T. Hurley, Lori Beth Aldridge. Dr. Lindsay Elmore, Christy Clover, and Kelsey Chapman. You can get all those interviews at insporising.com slash peace. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Lori Beth Aldridge. Well, Lori Beth, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I really do appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to wake up and do this first thing. It's, It's a wonderful way to start the day.
0: Yes, So you are in Hawaii, and we're in the midst of this coronavirus craziness, um, but yet you're kind of distant from a lot of people. You're already in uh, social distancing where you live, ironically. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell people a little bit about where you're at and how this has impacted your life.
1: Yeah, sure. So my family and I live on the island of Maui. And I've been actually doing a lot of thinking about it because I'm trying to show up for people as best I can and be that calm. I feel called to be calm in all of this. And I think that I'm also in an advantage because we kind of opt out of a lot of things already and we work for ourselves. So that's staying the same. Um, we homeschool. So then that's kind of staying the same too. Um, something that has changed though, is I don't have a babysitter anymore. So I am kind of juggling that. And I'm also feeling this outside energy, if you will, of everyone kind of like calming down and they're not hundred percent sure what to do at home. And even as a person who stays at home and you know, I identify with those memes of like, I have lived my whole life for this moment. (laughs) Um, Uh, Even as an extrovert, I still super love being at home and we've set up our life in such a way that um, we want to work for ourselves. We want to homeschool our kids, but we're still being affected by it. Um, You know, it's interesting to be on an island where you have to prep for tsunamis, hurricanes, um, the ships being cut off, our supply lines being cut off. So we naturally have to be preppers anyway. We have to be prepared Um, we also have to be, (laughs) um, now we have to be prepared for this too. So, and I come from the Midwest and there's already a little bit of prepper in me. So being so far away from town, we live um, over 30 minutes away from quote unquote town and we live out in the country. And you know, we already have to be prepared to be kind of like cut off from that because there's limited roads here, right? There's only, you know, two roads that lead into town, three roads. If you go the other way, kind of, sort of, you know, there's, we have very limited access to things. So we already kind of went into this knowing that this is just one of those situations we're going to have to be prepared for. It just is coming in a different form. That being said, the shelves are more empty than usual. Um, But I think, And I don't think they're more empty for the same reasons. I mean, I can't speak for everybody on the island, but for us, we're more concerned about the supply chains being cut off. Mm -hmm. And so when they're talking, this isn't just like a one day event or like a hurricane that's going to come through or the power is going to be out or something like that. So we feel there is this slight different pressure to prepare. um, And I think it comes less from the outside than it does from an internal like, oh, geez, boats better not stop coming, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Yes. How long would you say you could live at your current lifestyle? Um, Like if you, if you, if it were cut off.
1: That's a tricky question. Um, And something that is being discussed every day here, because we feel very secure in a lot of ways. You know, we have food trees on our property. We have goats and chickens. Technically (laughs) those are also food sources. Um, we are prepared. I feel confident that we have well over two months worth of food. The tricky thing comes in when we also feel responsible for other people. I actually have chills all over my body just thinking about Uh it. We have aunties. Um, there's a different sense of Ohana here. You know, we have people up the road, our elders, our aunties that we also feel responsible for. So when we prep, we don't, prep with just the five of us in mind, we prep for about 13 people. Wow. And that's because that's the reality of it. My best friend and her son live here. We have this extended family because we live so far away from our family. Mm-hmm. We also feel responsible for them. We also have animals. I mean that's that's pretty crazy. But in our business of renovating homes and selling them, I actually have a hiccup this week of not being able to list our home because the avenues through which we list it are suddenly scrambling and they're not replying to emails and they're not getting Mm -hmm. back. So we had planned on putting a house on the market right now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we're not necessarily able to do that. So there's a little bit of concern. Will the market crash? Will it not? Will Mm -hmm. it bounce back? What are we going to do about it? So in that sense, things are different. I feel pretty good for about two months. And, but in the same breath, it's day by day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But you're, you're resourceful, right? You have a lot of resources around you. um, Mm -hmm. And so we'll all, we'll all find our way, right? We can all be resourceful. I think the key mm-hmm. is, um, I love how you described that you have other people that you want to be mindful of, and others of us may not have that particular situation, but how do we not just think of ourselves, but how do we think of other people in the process? And um, that's that's something that I think we all need to really think about in these moments.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I was a little torn. I'm torn by some of the messages that are coming across my social media feeds and and the news media and things like that because basically it feels like we're being asked to hold a space for everyone. Mm. We're supposed to, we're, it's almost like we're being lectured not to just look out for ourselves mm-hmm. Um but I, I get the sense that a lot of us are doing that anyway. And I kept thinking about it of, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And I have worked really hard to get rid of that message in my life. And so I was totally honest with myself and said, okay, the reality is I can prep for these 13 people. You sure, know? that's great. I can hold them in that space. I can do that. And that absolutely is enough. It's enough, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I need to just settle into that and realize that I can't hold the space for every single person. I can't prep for every single person. Mm-hmm. So I have let go of that pressure that I'm seeing over and over again of like you must think of other people. But I have absolute faith that people are thinking mm-hmm. of other people already.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I think the the challenge comes in at least in our area in Southern California with the amount of hoarding um, of mm-hmm. resources. I think that's the challenge that I have is when seeing that is that I'm not sure that that is thinking of others, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, I don't know, you know, it just, it, it's the tip of the iceberg. It feels like a bit. So I don't feel the pressure to take care of everyone, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I think about how are our buying choices, perhaps not making resources available, even for the elderly or, you know, people that are immunocompromised that can't get out. Um, I do wonder about that, but our stores are doing a great job in even opening earlier or saying just <laughs> these hours are for you know for people who maybe need a little extra time or help or whatever um and I really appreciate that you know I think that that's wonderful,
1: you know, going to the I agree with you on that, and uh, we have Kapuna hours here, Kapuna our elders they're they're super early in the morning, but also they're reached a point where my my aunties, I'm just going to call them my aunties, the older women in my life, um, didn't feel comfortable going out anymore. And so then I was tasked with doing a regular shop for a large family, plus Um, three different aunties. And so when I would show up in the grocery store Ah, with my cart full, it looks like I'm hoarding. And so I literally felt this pressure to look around me and say, okay, I'm from a huge family. (laughs) And this is for (laughs) auntie number one. This is for auntie number two. And this is for auntie number three. And here, and I felt like I stood there in line and everything I put on the compare belt, I'm like, this person has goats and they need this. This person has a wound and they, you know, like I'm I'm constantly, I felt like trying to justify myself. Yes, so,
0: that is awkward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had to negotiate eggs and explain to them that like I know that you're saying too, but I need to get some for my auntie and my own children with allergies. And the the um manager, thank God, was like, I know you oh, and I'll allow it. And I'm like, oh good. thank God. And I'm not asking for well, I guess and technically I am asking for special stuff, but I am also not just shopping for myself. It was totally Yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I interviewed somebody the other day who's got like five kids or something, and she yeah. got four loaves of bread and I think four things of oat milk or something, which would just be the four things of bread were just for like a week
1: for her. It was, that's a week.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, "Uh, you can only have two. What? I'm I'm just (laughs) trying to feed my family. So yeah, it is complicated. It is very complicated. Yeah, it is challenging. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk for a minute because I know that um, you have just such a unique lifestyle, not only where you live, but the way that you think about motherhood, I'm parenting, living life. I mean, you're kind of weird, Lori Beth. You're kind of (laughs) just really different, right? And I like that. I don't know why I'm attracted to weird people in my life. All my friends are like super weird. So um, did you, when you were growing up, did you envision yourself being, becoming a mother? Like, was that always like part of your thought of the future?
1: Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for your honesty. <laughs> I'll take you at the, that as a compliment for sure. Yes, I always knew I wanted to be a mom from the very beginning, and it wasn't just the the doll playing with dolls or playing with Barbies or acting things out or babysitting. It just I have always known somewhere deep inside of me that has always been my true nature. Um, You know, I always showed up and was like that the best babysitter, you know, not because I was trying to be but because I was just like, man, this is the best thing ever. I can't wait to have my own kids. Every job I ever had outside of being a barista in my early twenties always revolved around children or caring for others. And it just, it was so soul satisfying for me. So yeah, if I had to paint a picture of my perfect life for sure, it would be a mom of three girls, which I have married to the man that I have. And I want all of these things. And, um, yeah. So, but I've always, 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 always known that, and it feels like a lot of buildup to this point uh, in my motherhood journey. Uh, to the point that when Chris, my husband, and I got married, our wedding invitation said, "All the roads led to you," and like nothing felt truer than that statement of, "Yeah, it feels like this has been a buildup to this point, and it's been you the whole time." And so, it's nice that we have that though for the hard times, so we can fall back on that notion of, "Yeah." just part of the road.
0: (laughs) Right, right. As you started your motherhood journey, whether it was when you got pregnant or when you had, I don't know when it happened, but when did you start to think about motherhood, perhaps in a unique way?
1: Sure. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I always knew I wanted to get married, right? This is what a lot of people know. They, a lot of moms come into this. Not everyone though. You know, some of my closest friends are like, I was thrown this motherhood thing. I did not want it. Uh, and it's it's harder possibly for them to, you know, figure out how to make peace with that, right? I'm not trying to make peace with something that I've always wanted. Um I started to view motherhood differently though, for those reasons that I always wanted to have a baby. I always wanted to get married. We got married, we had a baby. And then the messages started to roll in that this was supposed to be hard. You were supposed to not like this. And it's phrased in ways of like, it's okay if this is hard. It's okay if you don't feel this way. But there were so few messages of, it's okay if this is the best thing you have ever done. It's okay that if you wanted this, And then you got it and you still want it. So I I keep hearing these. I I have an episode about it. And on my podcast, episode five is the lie of convenience. And I feel like we're, being asked to look through motherhood through the lens of convenience, you know, like buy these things, it'll make your motherhood journey more convenient. Um, Do this, it'll be more convenient. And then we're also kind of bombarded with the message that if something is difficult, it's suddenly hashtag inconvenient. Mm -hmm. And our brains were kind of trained to want these things. You want to have babies, you want to get married for some of us. And then you're being trained to not like it—the terrible twos, the three nagers, the—and all the other terrible things that are said about kids. But then, if you like it, you're an oddball, or you're bragging, or—but really, for me, it's peaceful. It's the motherhood that I've always wanted. So I keep my eye on the prize, and I started to drop these messages of inconvenient. Or I started to look at my own language too. Am I describing my children as inconvenient? Because that's a really cruddy way to feel growing up we um, uh, me as a child I wasn't immune to the messages that my parents presented to me or other adults I knew of teachers liked us or not. I knew if my mom was enjoying me in that moment or not, you know, and then we take these on and then we're asked to unpack all of this later. And so from very, very, very early on, Chris and I decided we were not going to put that heaviness on our kids. What are some examples
0: like of language that I may not even realize is like, I know, obviously terrible twos, but like, give me some other examples that people may not even realize they think about their kids Uh. in a negative way.
1: Um, if their schedule gets thrown off, that's a huge one. I see people complain about this all the time. And this we are living in a time where entire schedules are thrown off. And so you're seeing all these memes of, you know, just putting down our kids and saying how terrible this is, how terrible this time is, instead of tapping into a more peaceful outlook. Mm. You know, it's, oh my gosh, it's so inconvenient that my kids are at home okay, we can totally reframe that, you know, because if we are constant, and it's just looking at the way you're thinking too. If, if you believe that you having to take your kids to the dentist is inconvenient, when truly your job as a parent is to just take them, you're making it harder on yourself. You're, Mm -hmm. you're, and you also are kind of thinking that you deserve convenience too. And that's really hard. That's really hard for me to swallow. And so I refuse to swallow it. I refuse to be like, yeah, because if we view life as convenient or inconvenient, we're going to see basic tasks of figuring out this time, um, you know, feeding our kids dinner, uh, taking them to the dentist, taking them to the doctor as inconvenient. But that's life. Those are all part of life, right? This Mm. is just life right Mm -hmm. now. And we're needing to figure that out. And convenience makes us feel like our life is getting in the way of our life. And if we're viewing it through that lens, it's exhausting. And it's also, I think, emotionally taxing on your whole family. So I dropped that. Once I connected those dots and realized, you know what? I've always wanted to be a mom. I've always wanted to be married. I have these kids. I'm not going to let go of that dream. I'm not going to drop that dream because society tells me I shouldn't be enjoying this and that it should be hard. And I'm going to stay focused on what it is I actually want instead.
0: So I hear you saying, um, and this is a profound message: that convenience is not something we deserve, right? And convenience is not something that you would encourage us to assume. So right. you're basically saying our culture has told us not only do you deserve convenience, but you should assume convenience as the, yes. as opposed to. Life has challenges, ups, downs, twists, and turns. If something happens to be easy, hey, that's nice. But if it's not, that's okay too, because that's just part of life. Is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. And I know that you and um, your line of work have had a lot of opportunity to look back at the end of people's lives and, um, you know, at funerals and things like that. You know, at the end of our days, we're not going to look back at our life and think very peacefully, Man. That was convenient. Mm -hmm. You know? So it sounds a little morbid to put it that way. And most moms don't appreciate the like, look at the end of your life and and what are you striving for? So, I switched everything out because when I realized I didn't want to, at the end of my days, look back at my life and say, man, that was convenient. That brought me so much peace and satisfaction. I was like, what am I going to look back on? What are people going to say? And, you know, I would hope that it would be kind things, true things, you know, and they wouldn't have to make things up about Mm -hmm. what kind of person I was, you know? Mm -hmm. So I realized that I wanted my life to be filled with the beautiful and the simple because those are the um, those are the important things, and those are going to be the memories that I hope my kids have, and mm-hmm. not that mom was mom always felt so inconvenienced.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things that my mom um, shared with me as our kids were you know growing up, um, she said, you know don't wish away your child's life. She said, as you were growing up, I wished you were walking. I wished you were in school. I wished you were, you know, it's that always looking to the next season and wishing it was that next season as opposed to being in the moment. And how do I, you know, like, Oh, I wish my kid was driving so I didn't have to drive them everywhere or drive them to school as opposed to this is a privilege to drive my kid to school. Look at this 15 minutes that we get in the car in order to mm-hmm. have some random conversation or no conversation at all, and just be in each other's presence and have presence, you know, um, yeah, all those seasons, right. Just wishing to the next thing. That's once again, it's about convenience and it's about, um, not being present and enjoying our kids in the moment. Friends, if you're looking for inspiring reading material during your time of physical distancing, I want to encourage you to pick up my new book, Empowered to Rise, The Secret to Embracing Your True Identity, Uncovering Your Superpowers, and Bringing Your Inspiration to the World. I have a special bundle that I've put together for you. Of course, you can buy the book on Amazon, but I've put together a special bundle that includes a signed paperback copy, a deck of my True Identity Empowerment Cards, and an inspirational magnet. You can get it at insporising.com slash bundle. That's insporising.com slash bundle. I wanna read you one of the Amazon five-star reviews. This one from my new friend, Bernadette Logue. She's the founder of the DailyPositive.com. She writes, loved this book, so grateful to David for the inspiration and empowerment he delivers. His manifesto alone is soul-stirring and a brilliant tool for daily intention. I particularly liked the logical pathway provided through the book, which felt so practical to me as well as uplifting. From knowing our true identity and embracing that, to then uncovering our uniqueness and vision, to then bringing that to reality in the world with action, it all made complete sense to my logical left-brained self, while resonating with my spirituality. A wonderful resource. All right, check it out at insporising.com/bundle. Uh, I did not enjoy them for the first 10 years of their, you know, since I was a parent, because I was focused on um, being a pastor and workaholism. I was total workaholic. And for the last 12 plus years, I've really enjoyed, really enjoyed my kids. Sometimes a lot less than I enjoy them. <laughs>
1: Ups and downs are normal. Ups and Really downs been some challenges
0: <laughs> in there, you know. But um, to go, uh, God, I love them so much, you know, and it's so, and my wife leads the way on all this. She's way ahead of me on all of this. I learned from her um, on all of it, but I really, that's such a profound message. Inconvenience is not to be, um, we don't deserve it and we shouldn't necessarily expect it. Okay, so that's one big way that you've opted out of some cultural norms in regard to parenting. Talk to me about some other cultural norms that you may, you know, maybe normal for you, but for other parents, it'd be like, what the heck? This is crazy. I don't even, you know, give me give me some examples. Like obviously Sorry, you're, uh, you're homeschooling, that's pretty yeah. wacky for a lot of people. I know it's normal for you. That's super wacky. We know that. Okay, that's crazy. Um, now we're all doing it. That's funny. Anybody who's judged <laughs> right. homeschool, I love that. Anybody who's judged homeschoolers, you're all doing it now. And right. oh, I'm because I'm connected to a lot of pastors on social media. You know, how many pastors have judged televangelists? And now they're all televangelist. They that's all have hilarious. to be. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> okay, so I, I, what, are, what other ways have you opted out? Uh,
1: well, we work for ourselves. And you don't think that that's so strange until you realize that um, we don't live our we don't live for the weekend. I mean, what is a weekend to us? It just doesn't, I mean, we work seven days a week. We work from sunup to sundown, but with lots of breaks in between. Um, and you don't know how strange that is until times like this when everyone's like, how do you homeschool your kids? It has to be Monday through Friday, 8.30 to three. And I know we talked about that um, the other day, but no, it doesn't actually. You can homeschool from like six to 9 p.m. if that's what suits your family. So we prioritize what's um, right for us. And for us, for many years, with three small children back to back, our kids as of last week are six, four, and three. Um, Sleep is a big priority. So we prioritize that, but we also have the option to do that because we work for ourselves, because we homeschool, we opt out of all schedules. In fact, we pretty much book um, any sort of schedule, but living on Maui, that's really convenient because it's basically expected for people to be at least an hour late. So it really works <laughs> out. <laughs> we just embrace that. You know, we love our kids. Um, we, we actively, and everyone does See, that's not opting out, but we have made a pact basically to never make fun of our kids. Um, we try not to, you know, to kind of step out of that, that because it never felt good to us growing up, coming from adults or other kids, and we don't want to teach them that you know it's okay to make fun of other people or be the butt of people's jokes. So mm-hmm. we try really hard, and you would be surprised at how hard that is, because the narrative is to make fun of your kids, to post memes about them, to. You know why my kid is crying and then to try to find camaraderie in that it just it actually ends up making us feel yucky instead so we have said you know to each their own but that's not the way that we're gonna mm-hmm. approach our children sure. um, we don't we don't drink And in the mommy wine culture, um, people are like, let's get together for wine. And I was like, or sparkling water, (laughs) you know. Um, But we made that decision not to drink. And you don't realize what a social leper you could become, if you will, if you don't drink.
0: And why don't you drink?
1: Um, well, there's, um, alcoholism on my husband's side of the family and it was never serving us. And I'm not saying he's an alcoholic or anything like that. We're just very aware of it. Mm -hmm. And it played a role in our marriage that was not very nice. And Mm -hmm. so we decided that one of the, we looked at it and said, we don't have a lot of issues. We love each other so much. What are the issues? And we pared it down to a couple and one of them was drinking, um, and it wasn't serving us and we weren't our best when we did that. So we had bouts of like not drinking when we met, neither one of us were drinking cause we were on health journeys. And so it felt like we met the real other person, um, uh, at that time. Yeah. And so I don't drink to support him and his decision. Um, but also I, I don't want to be hypocritical and be like, it's a, you know, I'm just going to go out and drink with my mom friends because that's the message that we're constantly fed or, you know, <sighs> All the whole mommy drinks or like you make mommy drink messages and stuff mm-hmm, are right. just it makes me physically ill.
0: Mm. Those things.
1: So, but that's me personally, right? Mm-hmm. That's me personally. But yeah, that's because of the story, the narrative that we bring to the table, right? right. Because that is a very toxic message in our particular household. Getting right. all the details, right? So. Right. But we opted out, and we've stayed pretty um, firm on that. But if there is an adjustment period friends fall off or, you know, you don't have that in common anymore. And then when that falls to the side and you realize maybe that was the only thing you had in common with that person, Mm -hmm. it's very enlightening. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. So fascinating. Uh, I grew up in a very conservative home where alcohol was not present. I mean, there was, I mean, I think I saw my parents have some wine like maybe once or twice and I didn't grow up with that as a part of my life or my college experience. And um, my wife had some negative experiences around drinking um, in high school. And so um, not that I haven't had alcohol, um, it definitely, uh, if I have half a margarita, I mean, I am like stabbing the plate trying to find the food. Like I'm that big of a lightweight. And I I haven't had, I don't even remember the last time I had a drink because my wife and I have basically just said, the downsides are so big than the upsides and we've had multiple people surrounding us that have had DUIs and Mm -hmm. you know the downsides and the and I realized the coping mechanism that it is and we're we are odd as well you know we we're out places and it's uh, we you know I just don't even I don't even think about having a drink like it's just not even part of my you know Deal. But that's what that people just go to that automatically. It's such a powerful, you know, coping mechanism. I really see it as a coping mechanism. I understand you can enjoy um, the, I did. the, you know, taste and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and I have different coping mechanisms, you know, for myself. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, we are in a similar situation and it is, it is really odd, you know, it's really odd yeah. to, to be the people that don't drink. Yeah. But there's a growing movement right. I have seen. Of people that are sober.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To the point that there are dry bars and to the point that there are um, uh, zero proof menus at restaurants. And it's not unusual to go and ask for their zero proof menu, which basically means non alcoholic drinks. And I'm really glad you speak up and say that too. And I was really hesitant to speak up and say that we don't drink um, in our house. But you know, ever since I did, First of all, people wonder why. They want to know what the problem was. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and they make all sorts of um, assumptions, but that's okay. You know, they can just, we're still just going to hold on to it. But by speaking up um, and announcing that we are not drinkers, I have had multiple, multiple moms come to me and say, How did you get your husband to stop drinking?
0: Wow. Wow.
1: And so I think by speaking up and saying that and sharing things with them, um, and them feeling safe, like they need, they need an outlet. There are tons of parent Mm. families out there who there's a drinking problem some way, somehow, or something that not necessarily is like, a. um, a stereotypical drinking problem or like what society kind of lumps in as a drinking right. problem they're functioning a they're functioning yeah 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 but if it's a problem it's a problem it doesn't matter what level that right. is right and so they're needing to talk about it but we're encouraged instead to talk about the wine or have a glass of wine and just relax about it or give into it or let them you know have their space or whatever or yeah. that you don't necessarily have a problem and and the narrative just needs to change about that. And I think it starts with us gently stepping up and saying, I don't drink. And that mm-hmm. serves me and my family. Well,
0: yeah, I love that. So fascinating. Yeah, that's good. Okay. What are some other, what are some other opt out ways now that we're really pushing buttons, we just lost all the people that <laughs> drink alcohol right now. They're all, turned us oh, off. you know,
1: that's, so that's, that's a hard part too, is that, I I truly believe that my choices aren't a commentary on other people's.
0: That's true. Um, That's very true.
1: But I can't control whether or not they believe that. And, you know, there are some choices that people make that I feel are a commentary on my life. And that's something I need to work on, too. So Mm -hmm. not immune to that. Not going to be a hypocrite about that. I've got my work to do.
0: Yeah. Do you Um, eat meat? Another way. Do you eat meat?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Geez, you're killing people. You're killing small souls. (laughs) Yes killing small souls. But
1: I also have a ton of vegan friends, right? And I support a lot of vegan businesses. And, but I just listen to my body. I was a vegetarian for nine years. Does that?
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. So you backslidden, you (laughs) backslidden is what your problem
1: is. Something like that. Um, So another way I realized that we're really super odd, if you will, or opted out is that my husband and I don't sleep in the same room. We actually have separate Mm. bedrooms. What are you talking about? (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's a huge trigger for people. Your marriage is on Um, the rocks. I know. This is what people assume. And I swear, um, I have an episode dropping in a couple weeks about sex after babies, and you'll see that we're fine. (laughs) Oh, my. But, but it's, it's really um, interesting because people assume we have a problem or that we don't like each other. But the truth is we are honest with who we are. I'm a morning person, love waking up early. I wake up at 5am every day. I woke up at 4.30am today, naturally. My husband is a night owl. Sometimes he doesn't go to bed till 1230 or one. Can you imagine if we were forcing ourselves to sleep in the same bed? We're also bed sharers. Oh my gosh, look out. We share beds with our children and we have three children. So we basically play musical beds and we're fortunate. We have four beds to choose from, big beds to choose from. So we just kind of bounce back and forth to try to get everyone as settled as quickly as possible because years ago, six and a half years ago, we decided sleep was a priority and we weren't going to conform to what that looks like for the rest of, uh, of society. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like the kids are in their room, they're in their cribs, they're shut the door, lock it, whatever you have to do to separate out. And we're just not those people. So we bed share. um, Although the kids do have the option to sleep in their own bed if they want. And then we also divide and conquer. And then are true to our own personalities. I'm a morning person he's a an night owl and we're not going to force the other person to try to get good sleep with the light on while he reads or watches a movie mm-hmm. when I am in bed by 7:30.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. You are really I have read um, quite a few articles of the growing m- movement of couples sleeping in separate beds because of oftentimes snoring can be a huge issue Yeah. Um, or the schedules, you know, like you said, our daughter was at college. So she had a queen bed in her room and I started sleeping in there because mm-hmm. um I Uh, I feel more comfortable with the tossing and turning, like uh, all these things. My wife gets up at 4.30 to work out before work, and I get up around Mm -hmm. 6.30 or something like that. Um, So we were sleeping that way for a couple months, and sometimes I would you know, go back to our bed. I don't know. It's just whatever felt comfortable. It felt a little odd. I can't believe I'm saying this publicly. I feel like I'm a total loser (laughs) not sleeping in the same bed as my wife, but... Then, you know what happened, Lori Beth, is my daughter came home from college because of the coronavirus, said, get out of my bed, go back to your own bed. And so now, sleeping back with my wife again. And it's fine. I enjoy it. It's all good. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's very interesting though. Um, I love that you admitted that too, and it's funny. It seems like a growing trend, but then I've read things that say that up to forty five percent of couples actually don't sleep in the same room, and that this is super common. That people just don't come out and say it.
0: I don't think so people want to talk. about It looks about like it. it's
1: a trend. Yeah, yeah, mostly it feels like a trend of people coming out of the closet and saying.
0: <laughs> I think so. You know, hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a kid, there was a season in life, I was an only child, and I actually had two bedrooms. I don't know why my parents did that, but I had two bedrooms in the same house in the middle of the night. If I didn't, wasn't feeling like I was sleeping well in one bed, I would go to the other bed. I don't know why. So I tell my wife that's one of the reasons why I do this.
1: Yeah, nice to have that option, though. I mean, I'm trying to picture it. So anything outside of the norm of what we perceive to be what every single family in America is doing, um, we're we it takes us a minute to wrap our minds around that. So as you were telling that story, all of a sudden I was like, what would I do with two rooms? Or is that necessary? <laughs> or what? And then you're like, if I wasn't sleeping well, you know what? If you were going to get good sleep and that means you bouncing between beds, awesome. Sleep, 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 sleep. Yeah, well, it's nice that you're honoring the individuals in that, too. and You're saying, this is what I need. She's saying, this is what I need. And then you're not forcing each other to fit this idea of what we think all American families are doing. You know, can you imagine? Do you know any couple that goes to bed at the exact same time and wakes uh, up at the exact same time? Oh, uh,
0: I don't know. I'm not in their bedroom, so I don't know. We, <laughs> what culture tells us they do, though.
1: Right. But, and then, so then it cre- that creates a lot of drama and, and turmoil, internal turmoil for moms who think, Oh gosh, I'm not conforming to normal things that society does. Or, you know, we're beating ourselves up over things like the fact that we're supposed to be sitting down at 5 p.m. to a homemade dinner every night as a family and having deep conversations without devices. And if you have anything outside of this perceived normal, then you're beating yourself up because you're not able to um, conform to that. And the truth is there is no cookie cutter family. There is Mm -hmm. no standard, if you will. And I don't think that there should be. I think that the standard should be you should take care of yourself. You should take care of your family family you know, show up in the moment, be present, figure out what it is you need. You know, it's like you bouncing between beds or any of us bouncing between beds. It's like, this is what I need in the moment. I had a really long, hard day. I've got another one tomorrow. I need extra sleep. What is the best way for me to do that? And then answering that predicament in that moment, rather than being like, oh, well, actually culture says that I should just stick with this or I should... Forgo sleep in order to do it because we tie up so much of our self worth and our self care. And that's a whole other topic that I'd love to expand uh, on with you at a later point. But, you know, that's another way we opt out is that we practice self care. This is kind of a newer thing in our marriage, but we do it and we do it with what does that zero look like? shame. It looks, it started off with me getting a cup of coffee after lunch, no matter what. And I did not realize how much that I was putting off my own self-care and taking care of myself. But again, these are narratives that are fed to moms all the time. Oh, you can't go to the bathroom by yourself. You know, oh, I haven't had a shower in a week. I take a shower. Now I I fell into that. I fell into that martyrdom mindset for a long Mm. time. And I was like, no, I created a new rule for my kids. When mommy is going to the bathroom, you will wait. Mm -hmm. Mommy is taking a shower right now and that's okay. But it all started off with that one cup of coffee after lunch, no matter what. And I spent an entire month working on that Mm. and you would not believe the tears that I cried over like, I deserve this cup of coffee. Or everyone was just so used to mommy just going, 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 going to the point that um, I was going to pee my pants because Mm. I would stop for potty breaks for everybody else but me, Mm. you know, or we're bouncing. One day we were out running errands um, during this month, we were working on that. And I said, I'm getting a cup of coffee after lunch, no matter what we'd had lunch in the car on the go. And I said, let's swing through like one coffee drive through <laughs> that we have on the island, which is literally three minutes down the road if there's a light and we should do that. And my husband's like, can't we just keep going, get going? Can't we just have it at home? I said, no, because when we get home, this one's going to melt because she needs a nap. This one's going to need to nurse. This one's going to need to do this. No, I am getting my coffee after lunch, no matter what. And we pulled through that drive-through and by the time we pulled out and mommy had her coffee, that was a huge breakthrough moment right there. And I was like, no, we are going to meet our needs when we need them. And why wouldn't we stop for me? Why Mm -hmm. am I not worth the six minute loop out of our way? to get something that I want and or need. So from that point on, we started recognizing that all of our family has needs and wants and started making more space for that. And it involves a lot of self-care. So we don't pressure the other person when they sit down to look at something on their phone or read or just zone out for a second. Mm -hmm. We're not like, you need to get up and help Mm -hmm. me clean the living room. You need to get up and help me cook the dishes. Cook the dishes, <laughs> do the dishes, or cook. You know, we you don't have to do that. We're recognizing that that person isn't lazy, mm-hmm. and we're making space for them to not be lazy too. Right? We believe that the other person isn't being lazy. Instead, we believe that they're showing up and trying their best, and then we also believe that they're taking breaks when they need it, not when mm-hmm. the other person says they need it.
0: It really sounds like you're believing the best in other people. Like I'm hearing that message coming through, not only about your kids, but about your spouse and about others.
1: Yeah, I do with my whole being. And but that's a family value that we have too, that we bring to the forefront. It's part of the secret sauce of my mom's group too. I believe, despite the fact that our beliefs, are core, are in our core and our values and our politics and everything are so different, I believe wholeheartedly that every single one of my mom friends is showing up the best they can in that moment. Mm -hmm. And making space for that, holding space for that, allows them to just be them and have their down days, their up days, all of that. And for us to work through that. But I really, 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 after lots of years of thinking about it, think that that is the secret sauce Mm -hmm. is not just talking about holding that space, but actually holding that space.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very empowering. Very empowering. All right, so um, I wanna make sure that people can get more of what you are sharing and the two places that uh, seem the best for them to go. One is your podcast, Elevating Motherhood. Can guys listen to it? Could I listen to it?
1: For sure. There's a variety of topics. I definitely um, have decided to speak to moms. Um, And so I'll say mom, but it could be parent. It could be anybody for sure. And um, yeah, one of my most downloaded episodes is actually Intro to CBD. And you definitely don't have to be a mom to (laughs) listen to that episode of Expo explanations of all this stuff. Um, Yeah, for sure. I talk to moms, but it's for parents too. And it's everything from anxiety and parenting to different ideas. I do a lot of intro to Eastern medicines and ways of thinking just for perspective. My whole goal is to provide soft perspective because I feel like we live in this just very rough, brash, message-filled world. And I'm like, yeah. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have been given soft perspective in a lot of different areas from a lot of loving people. And so I want to pass that on. So anytime we're talking about anything, including educating your kids at home during this time, my two most recent episodes are about that. It's not about providing a color-coded to-do list. It is about soft perspective and a way we can approach this and be gentle with ourselves and our children.
0: And you have a community, a worldwide community of yayamamas.com. Um, yeah. What is that all about, and how could that benefit listeners?
1: Um, one of the wonderful things about Yaya Mamas um, is the guided journal section. In fact, um, I'll be talking about that that this week on the podcast. Um, And how that can change your life in just five minutes a day and aligning your actions and your values and figuring out what it is you need out of life. So there's a ton of topics on there like alone time, you know, finding me time, date night, connection, transitions, family fun, all of these things. So if you want more of something in your life we have to be real with the fact that this takes time. It's not an overnight fix. So they're just these wonderful short five minutes a day journal prompts so that you can spend an entire month thinking about something that you want more of in your life. So if you feel like you, you can even work on mom style, that was one of my favorites. That's great. <laughs> but just all, all of these things, deep not so deep, but just we're also having fun and doing it together because there's something really powerful about working on yourself in this sisterhood of other moms.
0: And you are a, an incredible writer. I mean, you write quite a bit mm-hmm. and that's why guided journaling is obviously flowing out of you. Um, so people will enjoy your writing on the website. So Lori Beth, you are amazing. I love what you're bringing to the world. It is a soft, soft, different perspective and I think that's cool I think that's resonating with people it really is so thanks for sharing it with us today I appreciate it
1: oh my gosh thank you so much for having me and thank you for all the work that you're putting out too I'm almost done with your book and yeah it is a must read for sure
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lori Beth to learn more about her her podcast and the Yaya mama's community check out all the links in the show notes by swiping up on your phone now or visiting our website, insporising.com. Well, may this time of physical distancing give you the courage to ask, why do I live the way I live? And may you embrace the fact that you are empowered to opt out of cultural norms in order to live your life in a way that resonates with your vision and values.